good things must come to an end. That's why we will continue this podcast for the foreseeable future. But the Premier League season did come to an end, ending in heartbreak for five teams and jubilations for many others. I am, of course, Blake Munchell. This is my lovely co-host, Oscar Saywell. And this is episode 27 of season two of the Peaked 2 Early Podcast. The final podcast where we actually have some football to talk about until next season. Oscar, are you sad? No, of course not. It's a jubilant time. Um, you know, end of season. I don't know. I don't get the end of season blues. I think there's there's football. A break from football is a good thing. There's plenty of things to focus on in the summer. I like the trans the endless transfer window talk anyway. Um, women's Euros is also this summer. That's going to be exciting. Um, great intro, by the way. Uh, I think that's your best yet. You're you're ending on a high with that introduction. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm just excited to get into this podcast because what a final day it was. Yeah, this is a point that's you know much belabored amongst Newcastle supporters um, in the past few weeks, but um, it certainly holds true for me where this is the first end of season where I'm sad that the season is ending and it's not a matter of like relief that we mm. made it and weren't relegated. Um, right. That I sort of you know wish there were a few more games because um, Newcastle are obviously in great form and um, so safe from relegation that it's kind of insane to even believe relegation was once you know dead on for yeah. us. Yeah, it we was. Both, I mean, in our January predictions, we both had Newcastle going down. Yeah, yeah, we did. Wow. Um. So, for this end of season uh, Premier League recap, uh, we're still going to talk about some matches, but um, you know, there were very only a handful of matches that actually mattered um, in what ended up being a pretty excellent final day. I've heard people comparing it to um, like a top five final day in Premier League history. Um, Someone said it's the best since 2008, um, which I don't even know off the top of my head which season 2008 was. Um, you probably winning that. But um, yeah, I don't think it was the most insane final day. Um, I think it was entertaining, but not you know not the not the most dramatic final day we've ever had. Um, sure, but I mean, I I don't know. I had it. I thought it was. A great roller coaster for at least half an hour when when City looked dead and buried, and I was watching Liverpool and they were playing terribly, and and then it all kicked off with the the remontada for Man City, um, and 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 with the drama, you know, uh, uh, at the other end of the table as well. Before the start of the day, I basically had sort of had four things on my checklist. I was like, let me get this right: City winning the league. Leeds getting relegated, Tottenham getting top four, and Man United getting Europa League. Those are the four most boring outcomes, right? And I guess, yes, we only got one twist in that Burnley got relegated instead, which, uh, incidentally, I'm very pleased about. But I think along the way, the journey uh, was definitely uh, a fun one. Yeah, um, I think it's slightly dampered... um... For me, in that 
Liverpool were never leading while Manchester City were behind. Um, so like they still needed that second goal before Man City had their comeback. Um, which, you know, that would have made it a truly incredible, you know, uh, 15 minutes of yeah. Liverpool having the title and then it switching back. Um, however, to start off this podcast, uh, we're starting from the bottom where Newcastle mm. and historically West Ham have spent most of their time. Yeah. Um, although not in recent years for West Ham and hopefully not for a long time for Newcastle. Um, I saw that this is the first time a team has been in the bottom three on the final day and emerged safe uh, since 2008 when Wigan pulled it off, Um, which is kind of spectacular in just you think of how many close relegation battles there have been, but there hasn't been a team that started in the relegation spot at the start of the final day and moved out since then. Um, plus 2008 was, you know, forever ago. Um, but Leeds did it. Um, thanks in part to a pretty, uh, fantastical 94th minute game winner from mm. one Jack Harrison. Um, Which sealed it. They didn't need it, but it's, Oh, they didn't need it. All right. No, I thought they did. Never mind. Oh, I guess because the draw would have been good enough. Right, um, exactly. But, um, you know, they, I guess, were... It was slightly dramatic because uh, Burnley, at times, did look like they were going to score a second mm-hmm. uh, versus Newcastle. Um, but, uh, you know, Jack Harrison truly cementing himself um, in those Leeds legend books. Um yeah. I mean, we sort of forget because of how terrible everything has been for Leeds this season with injuries and illness and capitulation and saying goodbye to to a club legend in, in Bielsa, just how good their players are. Like, you know, last season, Jack Harrison, he was being talked about in very much the same vein as um, how everyone is talking about Jared Bowen right now as this, like, but maybe even more so because I think he's a bit younger. So, uh, you know, as this really dynamic, powerful, deadly winger, striker type player. Um, and, and you know, obviously Rafinha is pretty world class. And, and last season, Patrick Bamford was like red hot. And, you know, Calvin Phillips was never injured and getting comparisons to Declan Rice. And, and I think all those players are certainly still in there. Jesse Marsh said that, despite all the factors, all the pressure, apparently it was really hot on the day. He said that that was the, the, the best start that Leeds had had all season, I think he said. Um, and so I think we do forget that this is a, a very solid team. It's a, it's a thin squad, but their starting 11, at least from the midfield upwards, plus their goalkeeper, is really competitive. So I don't know. I'm glad they stayed up, to be honest. I do have a question. Did you see the celebrations when Jack Harrison scored that goal? And what did you think in particular of Jesse Marsh and how he celebrated? Um, so, I mean, all I saw was him getting flattened by his uh, assistant coaching staff. Um, 
I don't know. I think, I guess it's admirable that he's bought into the Leeds mentality and Mm. he's obviously ecstatic that they stayed up. Um, You know, I don't, I didn't really think much of it. Um, Yeah. It's funny because in the UK, it's getting all this weird press where people are like, Oh, it's embarrassing. You know, he's writhing around on the floor. People just don't like Jesse Marsh in the UK. They they have it out for him probably because he's American. Um, I actually heard a lot of people saying, "Well, what's he done as as a manager?" And what we don't know whether he's a good manager or not yet. And I I honestly I thought that was pretty ridiculous because the yeah okay fine he failed at Leipzig but he won a lot of titles at Salzburg and went deep into Champions Leagues. Sorry, Champions League and Europa League uh competition so i found that very odd um i'm really interested to see what leads will look like next season straight after the game the owner came out and said that they have to recruit and that it hasn't been good enough this season and that they never want to be in that position again so yeah i don't know with the with the caliber of teams coming up you know with the history of fulham being a yo-yo side and one of huddersfield or nottingham forest being up I, you know, there certainly could be three worst teams and uh, Leeds next season. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see what will happen. Hasn't Rafinha agreed to pre-contract terms with Barcelona? Oh, has he? He's not out of contract though. So I thought can't. that was the. He can't Maybe it's because for... he's not really re-upping his contract and we'll let it but I thought next he summer. had still I thought that he had he only just joined them he can't be out of contract yet 2024 no so he, he I know that his release clause was really low if they got relegated but it's not now I've, I've seen him linked I mean Barcelona are linked with absolutely everyone but they can basically only sign people on a free so I doubt that they'll manage to get him in. I've seen him linked with Bayern Munich as well. I think that'd be a good move for him. Um, Yeah, I guess we'll see with Rafinha. He's clearly too good to be playing for Leeds. In fact, I mean, I don't know. If I was Liverpool, I'd probably go in for him, frankly. But uh, he was ecstatic that he... um, Right? He was ecstatic that they stayed up. Um, I mean, obviously, no player wants that on on his record. But, you know, he could have... He could have down tools he was definitely going to get a move anyway so yeah i don't know yeah um talking about the what has jesse marsh done um you know i guess i kind of get the criticism of marsh in his short time at leeds in that he you know he inherited them in 16th and finished in 17th with them um which you know I guess, you know, he was dealing with a sinking ship and whatnot, but, uh, you know, I think the, I can understand the criticism from that perspective. Um, and also it's, you know, never a good look, you know, to be embarrassed at Leipzig, get sacked and then, you know, get appointed to write a sinking ship. Mm. Um, but he did it. So, um, I think he's like well-liked by the players and everything. And, um, I think he's a pretty like respectable person and everything. So, yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited to see. I I, I saw a lot of um, ridicule of Rafinha. You know how he walked uh, the length of the pitch on his knees, um, which I think is like a some sort of religious, like super evangelical thing. Um, but people were ridiculing him. They were 
Apparently, the Brentford fans were screaming wanker at him as he walked around the pitch on his knees, which is <laughs> quite quite strange all around. Strange to do it. Strange to shout wanker at him. Um, but good day for Leeds. Uh, yeah, not a good day for Burnley Football Club. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, a little... A little sad from my point of view. Um, Yeah, I know. You hate Burnley. Um, But, you know, I like the, you know, shithouse, proper English. You know, everyone hates them, and they still manage to finish 15th every single season. Um, But, you know, we've seen it time and time again, these sides that are in the Premier League, and they survive and they survive the next season and they survive the next season and they survive the next season. It's never maintained forever. Um, you know, and we see it oftentimes when those sides go down, they tend to stay down. So, um, you know, much to your joy, this might mm. be the end of Burnley in the Premier League for uh, quite a while. Yeah. And I, I don't want to get too jubilant about a, a club going down that is going to be in serious financial trouble. Um, but So, so, so serious. So, 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 so serious. Um, but, y- you know, I think, yeah, without gloating too much, I, oh God, now I feel like a dick. I, I guess I was happy that Burnley went down. I I appreciate this, this side has punched above their weight for, you know, a long, long time. But I don't know if I have much sympathy for owners who have conducted a shady financial takeover sacked Dyche and got relegated as i say that i recognize that it's not about the owners it's about the fans whose side note aren't great but you know i mean it's about the community um burnley i think just represent sort of stagnation to me it it will be nice to have some fresh blood in the premier league Uh, that's why i want forest to come up you know i want someone new to be in this league um that hasn't been there in a long long time you know, at least Burnley get to play Blackburn next year, I guess. Um, a question I had to you for about Burnley was, would you, would you take anyone from their squad? Or rather, is anyone from their squad worth taking? Uh, Nick Pope, although Newcastle certainly don't need another goalkeeper. Um, I like Josh Brownhill. He's good. Uh, I think Dwight he's McNeil, quite, he's good. Mm, Dwight McNeil, Burnley fans turned on Dwight McNeil so hard this season. Did they? Because um, um, supposedly James, he's just been absolutely horrendous all season long. Oh, no. J- James Tarkovsky, I think I would like West Ham to get in as and just see how he does. Um, yeah. He's a great um, defender. Recent yeah. rumors on the Tarkovsky deal is that he's... Uh, leaning towards a 120,000 pound a week deal with Everton to get relegated with Everton next season. Next yeah. Season. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe he'll be that piece that jumps around from, uh, you know, side that's about to get relegated to side that's about to get relegated. R- rumors that Ben Mee could retire actually. Um, he's only 32, but apparently it's on the cards. Maybe Burnley, it's time for a, a little revolution. Yeah. Um, they have Nathan Collins, really who's somewhat highly rated, but he has been absolute dog crap. Connor Roberts, but, he's pretty good. This, it, Connor Roberts is the man that you said, who the hell is Connor Roberts? Yeah, I know, and then I, I looked him up and saw that he's pretty good. 
Yeah. I'm giving you kudos. I, I would take Connor Roberts. I like him a lot. Um, yeah. Um, the final side in the, the relegation scrap that uh, sort of secured it a match early um, with their dramatic 3-2 win over Palace um, mm. is Everton Football Club. Yes. Um, who, despite getting thrashed 1-5 on the final day to Arsenal, um, they ended up staying up um, and, you know, four points off the drop. Um, my question for you is one, Frank Lampard is getting a lot of plaudits right now. Uh, yeah. Do you think any of it is warranted? This is a great question. I, I, I think Frank Lampard, like, so... I, a lot of the, the backlash I've seen against him is that they went from 16th to 16th, right? And I think that it is true that they eventually improved under him. And certainly the atmosphere improved under him because it was so sour under Benitez that it, it just, they were such a sinking ship. Um, I don't think he deserves many plaudits for the like first half of his tenure there. In fact, I don't think that Everton should have been anywhere near that relegation fight uh, because I think he came in soon enough to remedy that and had the players to do it sooner. But when he and the players decided to pivot to this backs-against-the-wall, scrappy style of play it really really worked to be fair the crowd definitely got behind them and that helped a lot too but they did turn into this team that you that were like an underdog team right which is ridiculous because they spent hundreds of millions of pounds on that squad but that's kind of the vibe that they cultivated and and those teams tend to attract a lot of praise um the revitalization of players like um alex awobi and then the way that he handled Delhi Ali's substitution uh, in the previous match day, match day 37, with that huge 3-2 victory. Um, these are, you know, things that I suppose you have to give some credit to Lampard for. I think his biggest strength, and I've said it before, is his man management skills. Clearly, the team run through brick rules for this guy. That's not a surprise. Chelsea did it under him. Derby certainly did it under him. And everyone loves him. So, you know, it'll just be about what his tactical evolution looks like in the coming years and whether he can start to make more of a name for himself with with the, the way he sets up a team and, and the, the style of play uh, that he wants to cultivate, I think. Yeah, we'll see. What happens? Um, you know the rumors that Everton are some two hundred million below where they need to be in terms of financial fair play. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's uh, a disastrous it, situation for them, right? Like, it would have been calamity if they got relegated, but they're still in a horrible position. So, right, I'm not sure um, what what they're gonna do. Yeah, the current lawsuit by. Uh, Leeds and Burnley against them. Uh, nothing will come of it this summer, no, and if it does, it'll be against next year's point total. 
Yeah, um, but they're not going to get a points deduction. It's, I don't, I would be very surprised. It's about time we get a few points reduction. It is. In the Premier it League, it's been a time. long time. Um, yeah. I don't even remember the last team who got a points reduction in the Prem. Blackpool? Don't, I don't In like 2004? I have no idea. Um, okay, then there was a bunch of stuff that doesn't really matter. Um, filling out the rest of the Premier League. Um, there's the huge, you know, void of impo- unimportant places. Um, but we will shoot all the way up to the, uh, the fight for Europa League, uh, which unfortunately saw West Ham bested by Brighton to gift Man U Europa League. What yeah. happened, Oscar? Let me talk about this, and I guess this can turn into a bit of a longer recap of the of just West Ham and in the end of the season and and as sort of as a whole, if you don't mind. Is that okay? Um, you know, it was a game too far for us. I think our fifty fourth, fifty fifth match of the season, which is you know ridiculous. We went deep in. Every competition that we were in, bar maybe one of the cups, um, one of the domestic cups, and obviously that the high-profile Europe League run we had, but we played really, really poorly on the last day. There's nothing, nothing I can say to get away from that fact. Uh, look, the adrenaline was gone. Um, we lost three-one to Brighton. The only highlight was a stonking Antonio goal. I mean, at least that puts a smile on our faces. It was a brilliant goal. He just leathered it, um, snapshot for his. 10th goal of the season in the Premier League, which means that he has scored 10 or more goals in three consecutive seasons for us, which is frankly unheard of at West Ham. Look, seeing Europa Conference League last week against Manchester City in that 2-2 draw, which we will talk about later, um, was amazing, right? And I'm so happy that we'll play in another exciting European competition next season. The Europa Conference League has debuted really strongly, um people really like the format they like the types of teams that are in it and i think it suits us really well for us to be this you know west ham being in the europa conference league feels very natural to me right we've had this two-year upwards trajectory and we're a well-known club around the world for various reasons not necessarily because we're super successful and, you know, I think it will mean that we can continue to attract ambitious players and retain our high performance. I'm going to keep going. Is that okay? Fine. Um, it's strange to see West Ham legend Mark Noble leave and, and realize that he won't be on the pitch next season. But he's left the club in a great place, I think. And, and we finally have leaders in the dressing room, which is a big deal, I think. Um, I'm curious to know what you think about player of the season for West Ham. For me, it's a toss-up between Declan Rice and Jared Bowen, the latter of whom, by the way, was atrocious on Sunday. Um, but, you know, Rice, world-class midfielder now. Every match he plays, is a, it's an 8 out of 10. He's imperious. Nobody wants to play against him. He could and should be basking for titles, and he will eventually, but I think we'll keep him for another year. Um, I don't think there's he will take any risks in this upcoming World Cup season. And I think West Ham will basically just refuse to sell. The only team, you know, for him was probably Chelsea. And then I guess maybe like Man City or Liverpool if they come in for him. But I doubt they will. Um, as for Bowen, he exploded this year, right? 
Um, 12 goals, 12 assists in the league. He's 25 years old, 18 goals in all competitions. These numbers are, are really unheard of at West Ham. Um, and yeah, he's been red hot, right? Like everything he hits goes in. But it it's such he's such a dangerous player and he's being molded into that winger come striker attacker that's super in vogue right now. And I think there'll be I think there will be bids on the table for Jared Bowen, but West Ham will ask for upwards of fifty million pounds. And I think you know, I think I'm not too worried because because I just don't think we'll sell and I don't think players uh teams will want to pay that much for him. Some fans did their best to create a slightly sour atmosphere at the end of the season. Obviously, we're all disappointed by the Europa League, you know, not, not making the final and definitely disappointed today, oh, sorry, on Sunday that we didn't get Europa League and we sort of petered out a bit. But yeah, there's been a lot of criticisms of very high-performing players from last season. So Fowl has spent some time out of the team. Socek, who's been playing a deeper role this season, has been less pr- prolific and therefore has attractive, attracted much less attention. Um, and so, you know, when he has bad games, it stands out. Fabianski's aging, right? Cresswell's had high-profile errors. I think criticism is always valid, but blowing it out of proportion, like I've seen, is, is really ridiculous. I think these players in a small squad, super small squad, if we're talking about Leeds being thin, then West Ham are thin. These players have put up in an unhealthy amount of minutes, and Moyes' reluctance to rotate puts a strain on them, right? And and I think it's so impressive the way that they perform so well for so long in multiple competitions. Um, you know, I'll end it by asking sort of rhetorically, what, what does success look like next season? And for me, I think we want to be a top half team that remains competitive in the Cups. I think that's realism. Anything beyond that, I think is a bonus. Our priority should be sustainable ambition making sure we remain competitive and a solid fixture in this league for decades. And that's what I want more than anything, right? Like, I want that stability and I want to be, I want this team to be respected like other teams in this league are respected. We've been such a laughingstock for so long and it's felt so good to have people stand up and, and pay attention to us and have these players in the dressing room that aren't egotistical and, I actually have good quality. So, you know, it's been an end to another fantastic season and long may it continue. Yeah. Um, It certainly sucks the love of football out of you if your team is... Yeah, exactly. ...wasting away at the bottom of the table season in, season out. Um, There's a void for a certain type of team in the Premier League with Everton uh, seemingly falling off um, yeah, you're right. in the past three years. Um, Southampton. Southampton, you know, are carving out a space for themselves slightly below that. But, you know, there's a void for West Ham to fill. Um, and I think for next season, there's not going to be a tremendous amount of competition for that sustained success um, other than a team like Brighton, um, a team like Wolves. Those are going to be the main West Ham competition. Mm -hmm. Um, For player of the season for West Ham, I think undeniably 
it's Jared Bowen. Um, right. Yeah. I think yeah. he's just Definitely. had an absolutely insane season. Um, also, you know, I don't want to discount Michael Antonio. Um, although it wasn't a consistently amazing season from him. He was still a very important player for a very good West Ham side for most of the season. Uh, and uh, I just love the immortal words of Oscar Saywell saying, if we have to rely on Mikel Antonio, we will get relegated. Uh, uh, but um, honorary shout-outs for West Ham, uh, Craig Dawson. Oh, yes. Uh, way overperformed standards. Um, and then, as for the past few seasons, Fabianski. Um, always want to bail out West Ham in a bad situation. So, yeah. Um, do you think this is the kind of it for Fabianski, or do you think he's going to have another season in him? Rumors that he's going to sign a new contract. I love Fabianski. I think that he was an inspired signing. He was one of the first, he was one of the first signs that we were actually starting to do our homework and, and sign players with good stats. Right. And that, you know, not just listening to social media rhetoric. Um, he is very old. And I think that lots of goalkeepers have longevity. And I think that Fabianski is capable of that longevity as well. He's still a brilliant shot stopper. He has a ricket in him. Every goalie has that. True. Um, he's not the most modern of goalkeepers. I, I would keep him next season, but I would maybe swap him out for cups right so i think we'll be in plenty of cups next season especially europe conference league that we can go deep in that we've proven this season that we actually took the domestic cup seriously but yes for the premier league i think i i really want us to buy alphonse Ariola, and i want us to put him in to be our first team goalie he's not super young i think he's 29 turning 30 but that's still almost a decade younger than Fabianski and I think it's it's time to to start really putting in a competitive edge for that uh first team goalie spot at West Ham. But yeah, I'd I'd re up his contract. Yeah, very fair. Um yeah. If not Ariola, maybe Nick Pope. You know, he wouldn't even have to get used to new colors. Just Yeah. Yeah. True, true. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, r- rumors that Alphonse Ariola is available at like 11 million pounds. Like, he's been excellent for us this season and everyone knows him already. Uh, this is the type of player that I, I would like for us to sign. So, here's hoping. Yeah. Um, that being said, um, West Ham, despite us talking about them for most of the time, uh, they did come out the losers of this and did not make it to sixth. Yeah, kudos, Brighton. Um, They've had a great season. Highest finish ever, right? They got up to ninth. Yeah. Um, also, big up Leicester City. Finishing in yeah. eighth, which is yeah. the highest they've been at all this year. Yeah, that's um, actually pretty impressive, um, to be fair. I, I definitely remember predicting that they would fall to below 10th, right? Or just like very much fall off. Um and they've had a decent end to the season, spearheaded by James Madison, that's for sure. Inspired season by him. Um, but uh, pipping West Ham is Manchester United. Um, 
in probably the least impressive uh, end to a season by a big side I've seen in a long time. Um, I think their player of the season is very obvious, um, but their second player of the season, oh, also obvious, third player of the season is where it gets hard for Man U. I think, unfortunately, Ronaldo is their player of the season, and De Gea is a second close, a close second. Um, but outside of that, I don't know. Oscar, did any Man U players impress you this year? Not really. Um, Fred, I think, has improved again, but what, what, what really can he show or do in this side? Um, no, there's, there's no one, frankly. Uh, it's been an absolutely disastrous season for them, and <laughs> they better pray that Eric Ten Hag can somehow stop this rot, because otherwise, I, I don't... It's unprecedented what's going to happen to them because this is an unforgiving league, right? Not to, not to be patronizing, but La Liga, a, a, a team like Barcelona can have an absolute nightmare for a season and be trillions of dollars in debt and still recover because it's, it's not as ruthless and high stakes as the Premier League, right? And it, I don't know what's going to happen to Manchester United if they just keep failing, because they pump so much money into it that I just don't know, Blake. I don't know. Um, you, you, I guess you have to sort of think that they will turn it around just because financial power is King. is so important. But yeah, um, I have no idea what to predict next season. And I, I guess right now I would say, yeah, they're not going to do anything next season. Um, but we'll yeah, see. as much as I think... Ten Hag is a good coach. Um, it almost feels like an impossible task for him. Yeah, ex- exactly, uh, exactly. So, like, it feels like kind of no matter what, he's going to be set up to fail. Yeah. Um, they have a tremendous amount of players who are not up to standard, and he's said as much. Um, and uh, you know, some players have said as much that there's you know, 10 to 15 players that don't want to be there and aren't Damn, good enough yeah. anyways. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll see an exodus. And, um, you know, it was a nightmare season for them. And I'm sure they'll throw $200 million at signings over the summer. Um, and I don't know, maybe next year they finish below West Ham. Um, Hopefully. But, you know, another ongoing theme of this podcast is just running out of ways to talk about Man U just because for sure you know we all saw this happening um starting what whenever they had that first fall off um okay um moving on from pipping Europa League to pipping Champions League yes uh quite interesting I finally get to talk about Newcastle um, this was won and lost on match day 37, where Newcastle United absolutely thwomped and wiped the floor with Arsenal. Oh, yes. Um, it was beautiful. It was one of the best nights uh, of watching Newcastle ever. Um, it was a Monday night game. 
um, which are uh, you know tend to be special in Newcastle. Um, it means you know like most people are taking the next day off work, and so they go super hard. Um, so it's a lot of very drunk adults um, fully behind a team. The stadium was decked out. Um, our flag group uh, had one of the most impressive English displays I've ever seen. Um, the music, the performances, the post-match, it all was incredible to watch. Um, yeah. It was pretty you know, emotional. Um, players brought their families down onto the pitch, and um, Kieran Trippier, uh, full two-foot challenged some four-year-old as he was going in to score on an open goal. Um, and almost the entire stadium started booing him. Um, but, um, you know, not to talk about Newcastle too much, uh, them losing did mean pretty much that it was in uh, Spurs' hands. Um, and my God, did Spurs not uh, spurn the chance. They thwomped North City on the final day, which you couldn't ask for an easier match day 38 uh, when you need a win to guarantee Champions League football. Um, yep. Uh, yeah, Norwich with one of the more pathetic Premier League campaigns we've seen in a while. Um, but yeah, Spurs in the Champions League, Arsenal in Europa League. Um, what are your thoughts, Oscar? Yeah, I think that it's a shame for the Arsenal squad. But if they were told that they would finish fifth at the beginning of the season, I think they would have taken that easily. It's a huge improvement this year. Uh, oh my God, am I just, did I just have a complete brainstorm and you aren't even talking about Spurs and Arsenal? No, no worries. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Oh, I had a minute there where I was like envisioning Trippier at uh tackling the four-year-old and i was like what am i talking about anyway um look sorry about arsenal it's a huge improvement this year they finished eighth uh two seasons in a row previously and and the europa league is a winnable competition for these for this squad right we've we've seen um this year and okay yes i have this like opinion because we were in it west ham were in it but the europa league is a fun competition. It, it attracts attention and people like it. And yes, it's a it's a big lift, but Arsenal, we know that their owners can put their hands in their pockets. They're just notoriously pretty stingy. And they can recruit and they can pad their squad and they can keep keep players like Eddie and Ketia for these competitions. And and yeah, they can make something out of it. Um the recruitment I think will be fascinating for Arsenal this summer. Um, I'm really curious to see who they offload and who they keep and then what kind of player that they bring in. Uh, I'm not really sure. I haven't made my mind up of what they need, really. They have a core of sensational, like, 20-year-olds. So I think logic says they should pad it with some experienced players, but I, I, I don't know. Um, as for Spurs, Conte has done remarkably. And I think he should probably stay one more year, right? At least to see if he can finally win a trophy with Spurs. They could win a domestic cup, probably. Um, I think they've been great to watch at times under him. And it's it's good for Spurs that Harry Kane, right after this match, was saying was talking about next season already, right? And they've got Son in the form 
of his life, which is saying something because it's like he hasn't had a bad season since his first season at Spurs. Um, Son, incidentally, sharing the golden boot with Salah this season. Um, and, and yeah, look, I, I frankly, I don't. I'm never going to bet on the success of either of these two teams because why why should I? They've shown they haven't shown much in a few years either of them. Um that that should be the case, but yeah, both scoring five goals at the uh, the final day of the season was funny. Um it was too much for Arsenal in the end, but that's thanks to Newcastle, so you must be very pleased, Blake. Must feel must feel good that you are the reason that Arsenal did not get top 4. Yeah. Um, in the, this week's, um, you know, occurrence of really depressing stats about Newcastle United. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time we have won versus Arsenal in 18 attempts. Oh God. Um, yeah. So nine. Wow. Um, which is, uh, yeah, you know, that hurts quite a bit. Um, it uh you know but every single match day every single opponent i can pull out a depressing stat for you about newcastle um in terms of arsenal um i guess you know arsenal or arsenal and they're a very hard side to place in if they're good or they're bad or what exactly are they um, even when they were incredible this season, they had these small patches of just, you know, shitting the bed. And, um, you know, I still am not sure what my opinion is on Arteta. Um, but I don't know. Uh, he'll get another season, and I'm sure we won't know our opinions on him next season either. Um, as yeah. for Conte, um, I agree. I think he'll you know, take one more season at Spurs. And if he doesn't win he should. something, yeah. he'll leave. Um, he's too proud of a manager to stay too at a club. Good of a manager. Yeah. Isn't winning stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, but I mean, he's an excellent manager and Spurs on paper are an excellent team. Um, but if Spurs don't win anything, he's not going to stay at Spurs. Um, the we'll see in the summer what happens with Harry Kane. It seems like things are have cooled way down on him moving. Um, mm-hmm. Although that might just be fatigue of news. Uh, we're just not yeah, hearing true. about him leaving anymore. Um, but yeah, um, two sides that I hate, um, and uh, you know, I'm I'm glad that. One of them missed out on Champions League. That's nice. Um, but I don't have many opinions on it other than that. Yeah. No. Uh, you know, happy to happy to move on if you want to. Yeah. Um. I before we talk about uh the biggest part of Championship Sunday, mm. I do have a question for you about Chelsea. Oh. Uh, and it's where do they where does this season rank in terms of ultimate disappointments i'm not asking for you know a specific like Mm. this is the third most disappointing but yeah um 
just the amount of money they spent um, and then it being a 20-point gap to second. that They didn't even push the challenge yeah. um, with the type of money they spent over the last four windows. Yeah, I think that I do have to cast my mind back to, obviously, I think I, I definitely predicted them to win the league. Uh, lots of people were doing the same. They were convinced that the Lukaku signing was the the one thing needed to push this Chelsea side into the stratosphere. Um, and it hasn't worked out like that. Obviously, the Abramovich stuff is all absolutely insane and that's impacted, you know, the players. But, um, you know, I think that... I don't know. I feel like people... They... Uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting because they remained competitive long enough that people gave them respect and then but they also fell off for long enough that people kind of forgot how good they were at the beginning of the season and how high the expectations were at the beginning of the season if that makes sense so in terms of ranking it as like a really big disappointment i i don't know if i would put it that high because there are bigger narratives than chelsea this season i think maybe that's it right man U is a bigger narrative than chelsea that's a bigger scandal um City's uh, City and Liverpool's dominance is a bigger narrative. To even Tottenham and Arsenal, you could argue, are, are a bigger narrative there with Conte coming in and with Arsenal overperforming. And, and, and so everything is sort of distracted from Chelsea, which is pretty astonishing seeing as Abramovich had to basically, or is in the process of selling the club and has disappeared off the face of the earth and this huge, you know, incredibly successful reign is coming to an end. Um, but yeah, I guess that's where I stand. It, it's just not been the thing that people have felt the need to talk about beyond the, you know, whenever it was in March that everything blew up in in their faces. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you and I both hate Chelsea. Yes. Um, the Premier League's version of Fulham, um, except they're not as successful. Um, sure. Moving on. Uh, the pinnacle, the crowning achievement of Sunday, um, was the title race. It was nice that it came down to the final day. Yeah, it was. Um, but in the end, it was the side that has led what since match day. I don't even remember how long they've led the uh, like twenty two. I mean, Man U spent longer at the top this season than uh, Liverpool. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that that is pretty wild. Yeah, um, but you know, Man City are a incredible Behemoth. machine, um, and so are Liverpool. And we saw this um, when both sides were against the wall, um, both losing at one point in their respective games. Uh, both sides were able to turn it up and very quickly yeah. score score multiple goals. It shows how good of a side they are. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. Um, well, we can start with Liverpool. Um, just um, on the match itself, uh, it started about as poorly as it could have. Yeah, um, three minutes in with straight down Raul Jimenez, who I thought played, uh, you know, uh, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, best since his return from injury. Um, he was lively, holding the ball up, passing the ball well. Um, he and Pedro Neto uh, gave Wolves the lead, uh, which is sort of uh, Man City's best hand. Um, it, I was like, okay, well, that's you know the title. 
Um, however, then in response, I guess Liverpool equalized before. Yeah, so um, Mo Salah would uh, equalize, uh, but even that, the draw wasn't good enough. Um, but then Aston Villa go and uh, two, uh, or I guess Matty Cash scores the first one and Felipe Coutinho, part of Steven Gerrard's Liverpool side um, that couldn't win the title back win, give Aston Villa a 2-0 lead over Man City. Um, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Anfield is going crazy. Yeah. Um, I know quite a few Liverpool supporters. Yeah. Um, and they were going ecstatic. Um, yeah. They thought it was a done deal. Um, but, you know, the, the juggernaut that is these super teams, it does not end. Um, Man City with three goals in five minutes. Um, and from that point on, um, the title was theirs, even though Liverpool also turned it up to 11 and scored two goals. Um, you know, there was no, there was no way City was going to lose that title after um, Ilke Gundogan's heroics. Um, I will start with, did you see that someone, to- I guess someone told someone at the Liverpool Wolves match that Aston Villa had scored a third goal. Um, and it so it started spreading through the stadium and Liverpool supporters were uh, cheering because they thought Aston yes. Villa had scored a third. No, it's hilarious. Um, yeah, great banter. Yeah, amazing. Um, but yeah, um, City win. It's what happens when you're how you, when you have a top five manager, uh, a good handful of top five players at their positions. Uh, probably the second best supported team in terms of financial backing. Um, and, uh, yeah, you, with the cost of that, you get to win the Premier League. Um, Oscar? No, look, is there anything to say about the machine that is Man City? You've put, you've put this very well. Um, I, I didn't care that, that much about who won the title, actually, I realized, but I sort of agonized over the way it was won. Um, when City were 2-0 down and it looked like Liverpool would fail to win, I was really annoyed about that. So I'm glad that it was sort of put to bed before that and we had our we had our drama, right? We had our sensational comeback from Man City, three goals in five minutes kind of deal. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to talk too much about Man City. You know, juggernaut, you can, talk, you can say a lot about how they deserve to w- win a trophy. But and while, while the Premier League remains competitive, it, it isn't what it should be. City and Liverpool are basically untouchable. And to have a team win four out of five seasons is super boring. And it, it, it says something about the state of, of football, I think. So maybe I won't, I will choose not to focus on that too much. Instead, obviously, it was 10 years ago that, that uh, Aguero had that, you know, late, late winner. And the rest is history. I'm sure, you know, as soon as anyone mentions it, you hear Martin Tyler in your head. Um, I just want to say that lots of like commentators around the country were attempting to do this sort of a similar thing. I mean, obviously no one can touch Martin Tyler, but sort of do a similar thing, trying to say an iconic line, but absolutely failing. Guy Mowbray apparently said a big blue turnaround when Gundogan scored, which is frankly terrible. I mean, that's awful. A big blue turnaround. Um, 
on NBC, I actually quite enjoyed Arlo White's It's a winner. It's Ilkay Gundogan, which when it was said sounded fine, right? Because it was simple and it kind of worked. Um, but yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, and yeah, I guess, it, yeah, City do deserve to win a, a trophy. Uh, Liverpool with, with still the treble on. Uh, I actually think that they will lose the Champions League final. Um, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I certainly uh, also cringed at many points of the commentary mm-hmm. over the final day. Yeah. Um, my favorite line, and it does feel like this happens every week, is um, I think this was the USA stream which I, I don't know if usa and nbc are the same they're they, owned by, yeah they sort of are i think yeah they're owned by the same company so yeah, i don't yeah. know who's uh who's who at this point um but whoever the the female commentator uh for that match was screaming you cannot script this when Coutinho oh, no. scored the second goal i was like well you know you could script this this is you know that's a pretty common like thing that happens in movie scripts is people people definitely tried too hard yeah try too hard um yeah they just all you know i think i i prefer local commentaries and like the break uh the radio broadcasts over any television commentator um Mm. i just i don't think you know, I think it's all, it's either them trying too hard, which comes off as this fake cheesy bit, or they come off as super apathetic, which also sucks to watch. So, yeah. You know, you're not going to get a good TV commentary very Maybe. often. Maybe. I think there's a couple good ones out there still. But uh, they're hard to come by, I feel like. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is uh, this 2021-2022 season of the Premier League done. We'll have to think of some uh, special podcasts to do. Well, there will be plenty of opportunities. It is uh, quite a long time uh, before the return of the Premier League, some 120 days. Oh my God, Um, that's crazy. Which is, for now, you know, it always starts at like, oh, the not having to worry about watching football on the weekends. Like, oh, I have all this free time. Um, mm, and, and then, then you're like, please, please, please anything. Yeah. yeah. The doldrums of summer. And... Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know, Oscar. Uh, what mm. are you most, what, okay, I guess, uh, what free agent footballer oh. are you most excited for finding out where they head to? That's a great question. Um, oh, uh, I would like to know where Pogba's going to go. I'm interested to know where Dybala's going to go. Gareth Bale, I'm pretty interested in. Is he going to retire? Is he going to go somewhere crazy? Uh, I think, yeah, I, I've given you some names there. Um, I can't think who else is out of contract. Um, Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen, that'd be interesting. I want him to stay at Brentford. I'm not sure he will. I think he's pretty desperate to play Champions League football, which is fine. Um, I would want to do that too if I had completed a miracle comeback. Um, 
Yeah, there's been some players that have been snapped up already, I suppose. I'll be interested to see who Barcelona are just going to get like 5 million players who are out of contract. Um, and I'll be interested to see who goes there and who doesn't. Um, you know, they've already got like Frank Kessier and they've already got Christensen through the door and and all these players are already there. Um, yeah, Mbappe obviously was wrapped up just yesterday, staying at Paris Saint-Germain. Which is, I don't know how to feel about that. Um, I don't know. What about you, Blake? I, I, I know that there's lots of. I'm actually more interested in lower profile players, um, but I can't think of any right now that are out of contract. Well, there's one, Moel Nenny, who is a free agent. Uh, um, oh, he'll. he'll... Yeah, maybe. Guzman um, Dembele is out of of contract. That that's interesting. He, yeah, he's um, whoever he signs for. He's not going to play for them. So, well, um, I mean, he's had an incredible twenty twenty two, just like insane twenty twenty two. So, yeah, but um, you know, no, I don't know about that. I don't know about that one. I think I I, he's just been so unlucky with injuries. It's you know, yeah, yeah, but maybe he's over them. Maybe maybe he's over them. Who knows. Um, um, Jeff Schlupp. I would love to see him at Newcastle. Incredible, incredible God, player. That's never, you're never going to do that in a million years. Uh, Roman Saiz. Uh, I adore. Is he him. out of contract? That's interesting. Huh. Uh, he'd okay. be grateful. Oh, Cesc Fabregas is out. Luis Suarez is also out of contract. Those are slightly interesting. Um. Yeah, I, I'm confused at what's happening with Luis Suarez. Um, he got a old and broken. Yeah, Cavani. he got the um, like a lap of honor by himself at Atletico Madrid. Um, I mean, he did years and fire them to the title. So, right, but I don't like. I just don't get why why not just sign another year's contract because because he's 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 not he's done nothing for them this season. They're, they're not they don't want to. I mean, that's not true. He scored eleven goals, but he's just not physically there. I think. He says he wants to continue in Europe. He's just old. Like I don't know. His legs are gone. I don't know what what he, he should, wants to do now. He should so. go play for Norwich in the championship to repay them for oh God, the damage like... that he did to them back in 2011. Yeah. That'd be um, um Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see. Oh, Mo Salah. That's interesting. I reckon something is happening there. Something could be brewing. Now that I know he hates... I was talking about this with Theo the other day. I know that he hates Real Madrid, but now that Real Madrid have missed out on their Galactico signing in Mbappe, uh, I was trying to think of players that are on any sort of similar profile. Haaland's gone off to City. You're really looking at like Mo Salah. They could put in a bid for him. You're looking at Raheem Sterling, maybe. I don't know, but um, that'll be interesting too. Will Real Madrid go big money for a bigger player this summer? Maybe. Yeah. There are quite a few good players who are free agents. Um, and a lot who make a lot of sense for West Ham. Um, Chancel and Bemba, I think, would be Oof, phenomenal would signing be for West absolutely Ham. Absolutely incredible if we got Chancel and Bemba. But there's no way. He'll, he'll sign for a bigger team. A bigger team? Oh, my God. A massive West Ham. A, a a team probably in the Champions League. He could play for a team in the Champions League probably um, as a rotation. But no, please, Chancel, come to us. You are an excellent player. 
Newcastle legend, chance I remember. Um, yeah, no, I think that'll be a good pod to do. Pondering, pondering uh, signings and what what teams need. We can profile certain teams. Yeah, be good. Certainly. Um, yeah, I know we can talk a long time about who would be good signings for whom. Um, but uh, Oscar, I, I, unless you have any last thoughts, I think that wraps up. No. Just, uh, just thanks for listening, everyone. Um, it's been fantastic. We will be in your ears over the summer. Don't worry. Uh, who knows how frequently, but we will be here. And uh, we can't wait for the 2022-23 season. That's crazy. And Blake, thank you so much for a absolutely incredible second season of the Peak Too Early podcast. Yeah, we just keep getting better. It's unlike the name of this podcast. This podcast is not peaking too early. It's true. Uh, if it's anything, true. the best is yet to come. I hope so. Um, so this has been episode 27 of season two of the Peak Too Early podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, hopefully we are back with you very, very soon. Take care. Bye. I'm standing. <laughs>